It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All Trumpet, please offer congratulations and show your appreciation to Manchester United, the winners. It was a properly magical night at Old Trafford last Wednesday. Manchester United FA Youth Cup winners for the 11th time in our history. A record-shattering 67,492 strong crowd. A squad of players buzzing, sharing the best moments of their lives with the theatre of dreams. Belly sliding in front of the Stratford end, lifting the cup again and again. And thousands of kids at their first United game and people of all ages enjoying one of the best United nights for some time. Just uh, an occasion that you left with kind of pride swelling in your stomach and there was loads of things to be proud about and we'll get on to them, we'll talk about the FA Youth Cup. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, the Series 7, Episode 35 with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate as always. We'll talk Youth Cup first and then we're going to talk a little bit about Eric Ten Hag who is supposedly starting his United job early, six weeks early, if reports are to be uh, believed, which is no doubt a positive thing. We'll also talk about this Sunday's game against Crystal Palace away from home at Selhurst Park, the last game of the Premier League season, the last game of United season, which is uh, uh, nothing but a positive, I think we could all agree. But before we get on to the first team and slightly negative matters, Jack, the Youth Cup was just a, a fantastic occasion and the highlight of an otherwise negative season. I think the end of the season there is probably the first positive thing you said about the first team in months. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Youth Cup have very much kind of filled filled that place of positivity that the club has been crying out for. I mean, we, we've talked before about you know what we think makes United a bit different and a bit special in our minds compared to you know other big clubs. And for me, one of the things that's always been that is that you know despite the commercialisation of football and of Man United the the emphasis on youth and the pride that the club takes in its youth academy has always been you know something that's really stuck out right in, through the history of the club and it, and obviously we've got this 
immense record of the consecutive games with an academy player in the squad. And it was really, really a night where I felt pride in being a United fan and in, in my football club, you know, seeing so many people show up to that game. And it wasn't, you know, I think sometimes when you get games that aren't first team, whether it's at international level or at club level, like the 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 crowd can sometimes take on almost like a charity game type of, of vibe, if you yeah. know what I mean, where everyone's just sort of there for a bit of fun and they just want to laugh and like not really that can that concern with what happens in the game. It it wasn't like that at all. This was like a proper match day going United crowd that was so invested in yeah. the game and and you know the youth team did us proud. I don't think it was their best performance, but got the job done and, and the scenes at the end were it was just jubilation. It was so, so good good to see. And yeah, very much made me reconnect with the club and, and was felt a very proud night to be a United fan. Yeah, absolutely. You saw 11 players and the three who came on just giving it their all. And it, it wasn't their best performance, no. And, and actually, strangely enough, even for kind of Alejandro Garacho, the double goal scorer, now seven in goals in the FA Youth Cup this season. He was named Jimmy Murphy Young Player of the Year um, before the match and received his award at the game, before the game. Alvaro Fernandez got the under-23s award, but even for Garnacho, it, it wasn't a particularly great performance from him, no. but he came away from it with two goals and and kind of some life-changing memories uh, of of doing Cristiano Ronaldo's Sioux celebration in front of the Stratford <laughs> end with lots of people joining in. And that was one of many great moments and just being able to watch it full-time and hearing We Are The Champions playing and glory, glory, Man United and... All, all of the time with the the recognition and the knowledge that, yeah, this is the under-18s. And the reason we're so happy about this is because of how bad the first team is and how bad other things are. But all of those caveats in place, it was just a completely, yeah, just joyous occasion. Looking over that old Trafford pitch and just seeing all these different little moments of like all these different embraces and hugs between players and coaches and some of the under-18s and some of the under-23s who ran onto the pitch to celebrate with them and people going over to see their families and mates in the stands as well. And Garnacho draped in a Argentina flag, 16 year old Louis Jackson, who didn't even know he was playing in the game until the afternoon of it because <laughs> regular centre-back Tyler Fredrickson was ill and couldn't recover in time. And Louis Jackson was at school um, in history when they got a call, the school got a call and had to take him out and he, he rushed over to Carrington for the pre-match meal, like 16 year old. Could you imagine that? That is absolutely surreal, isn't it? Like, yeah. Could you imagine just yeah. being sat in a, in a class at school at 16 and then being told you're about to go and play in front of 70,000 fans at Old Trafford. Yeah, 16 years that is, old that and, and playing mental in front when you of that. Think about that. And him and he and uh, Louis Jackson and, and Reese Bennett, the captain who scored the opening goal, were, were picked out by the manager, Travis Binion, after because they were really great. This was a... Yeah. All through the Youth Cup, there's been like these great moments of attacking play from Garnacho and McNeil and Sam Mather and Kobe Mainu and Isaac Hansen and loads of players. But this was a performance where the two centre-backs actually were, were brilliant against Forrest, including 16-year-old Louis Jackson and the captain, Reese Bennett. And he just, yeah, so proud of all of them, but also so proud of, yeah, the crowd that attended. And and you're, you're absolutely right there. There wasn't that charity game atmosphere to it at all, especially after half-time. I think once Forrest had equalised and both United and Forrest fans had kind of just clocked onto the fact that like this was a really tight game now and it, and they both actually cared deeply about this. Once both teams came out for half time, there was a slight shift in atmosphere of, hold on, we really need to get these lads over the line now. Can't bear to see them lose this. And, and um, I, th- I think, yeah, the crowd really helped actually. Um, and yeah, the connection between players and, 
and fans just brilliant to see. It was, yeah, it was, I say it was just, a, it was a night that I think will live long in the memory, obviously of the players, but honestly, I think for a lot of fans as well, both those that were at the ground yeah, and definitely not, mine. you know, just, I, it, it's just special. Like these, you know, we said we won it 11 times, which is obviously a lot, but you know, in the last 20 or 30 years, these, if, at the sort of rate we've been going, like they, these come around roughly like once every decade. It's a, a game that should, should be remembered. And yeah, it felt very poetic almost in my mind that, you know, despite like you see what's going on with the first team and that, you know, we are really in dire straits and maybe the worst season that we've had in, you know, 40, 50 years. Yeah. And it, it felt almost poetic in a way that at the end of that, you had sort of the youth team almost holding the club up in a way and sort of dragging the fans along with them to say like, you know, yeah. this, there's more to this club than just the first team on the pitch. And, you know, we still have a lot to, I guess, be proud of, proud of and excited about for the future. Yeah, it's further proof that the academy is, was, always has been, always will be the the like very bedrock of Manchester United. Yeah, 100%. And, and all of our good periods have stemmed out of success in producing and, and allowing young players to flourish in the academy and then in the first team. And when like, there, there is that, there's, there's a really special thing about watching a, a team win the Youth Cup at United because it, it's not just, it's not like celebrate, I'd much rather see United with the Premier League or Champions League or the FA Cup, whatever. <laughs> sure, but it, there's a really special mix to the feelings that you get from watching a team win the Youth Cup because you get that, there was that pride of the crowd and pride of the players, but also that knowledge of, of the history. You look at the, kind of the team sliding in front of the Stretford end and embracing and dancing and lifting the trophy. And you can see, you can almost see the past as well as the future. And you, you, you know that those lads there, some of them from Norway and the Czech Republic and Catalonia, wherever, but a lot of them local lads from, from Stretford and Salford and Cheadle and wherever. And you know that they have achieved the same thing that Duncan Edwards, Eddie Coleman, David Pegg and all the others did back in 1953 for the first time in the same stadium, the same pitch, wearing the same colours with the same pride and excitement and enthusiasm. And that's just a, a properly brilliant feeling uh, as a fan and I'm sure as a player as well. And the other thing is it, it was a great reminder of kind of what, f- what f- football at its raw emotion is about. One pound tickets, no one priced out. Everyone who wanted a ticket could get one. Groups and mates stood together rather than having to be split up over the ground. So many people at their first game, the, the youthfulness of the crowd, so many kids there. And you just thought this is a real, there'll be people come to their first game tonight who now think I have to go back. And knowing that some people have got that little match going bug is just also another, another brilliant feeling. Yeah. It's a, it's a great point actually that like this felt, I hadn't really thought about this before, but now you mentioned it, I think there's a lot of ways in, the, in which it does. It felt like football, almost like back to its most basic form and like back to almost like a, a past era, you know, like, you know, with tickets being so cheap, the crowd that was, like I said, no one priced out. It group of players just, you know, no, no, no sort of stardom next to themselves, no superstars. It was just a group of lads who were just could, very plainly, massively excited to have this opportunity to play in front of this crowd like it, it does almost feel like a bit of a throwback and it's like so much changes in football all the time. And, you know, people, players like Duncan Edwards wouldn't know, you know, wouldn't barely recognise the the game of football as an institution now, I think, compared to what it was like back when he was playing in the 50s. But I think you then you strip it back in, in a way, you know, away from the Premier League, away from, 
you know, the bright lights, all the media coverage and everything that we've got around it now. And the game remains the same, you know, and I think that the FA Youth Cup is kind of that almost stripped back. And I think that's what, what makes it so special and why it's so great to see so much of United fully invested in it, both from, you know, the, the coaching staff standpoint, but also from the fans as well. Like that's, I think, what makes it so special because it is just football like stripped back almost to, to what it's like for, I, I think the, the FA Youth Cup is like the closest, I, I feel when I'm watching it, like the closest I could ever see in like professional or quasi-professional football to go and have a kick around with your mates in the park. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it so fun to watch as a fan because it's like the most you can ever relate to playing at Old Trafford is in these 17, 18, 16 year olds, you know, just coming, a lot of them from around Manchester, as you said, and like just coming and playing at Old Trafford with such a huge smile on their face, taking the opportunity. It's just, it's, it's really fun and kind of heartwarming yeah. to watch. Yeah. And, and yeah, as I say, there, there are lots of foreign players in that team. Garnacho was born in Madrid. He's at Kansen from Tromso in Norway. Uh, Mark Corrado from, I think was born in Sabadell in Catalonia. Uh, the keeper, Radek Vitek from Czech Republic. His backup, Eric Hambry from Den Haag. But then there's also Kobe Mainu from Cheadle, uh, Maxi Oledeli, Dan Gore and Sam Mather, all from the same part of Salford. Reese Bennett from Denton. I think Charlie McNeil's from Droylston. And they, and they were just buzzing with their families and, also all the families who some of whom who didn't move over with their sons to Manchester when they got into the academy coming over for this game and all the academy staff there as well a lot of whom haven't been able to meet up in the last couple of years because of Covid and there are so many storylines to to that day so many really like special meetups and catch-ups and moments and little celebrations so yeah properly brilliant day of of, of the game itself was was there anyone who, who sort of stood out to you as particularly good in the final just before we uh, well gone up just to the headlines because he's scoring but as I said I don't, I don't think this was one of his best performances yeah. um, although he certainly came out with a he came out wanting to score in front of a full Old Trafford <laughs> and in the end he managed to do it twice so I, he achieved his objective um, as for the others uh, I thought the defence was was really impressive because I watched Forest's semi-final against Chelsea or about 60, 50, 60 minutes of it. And their striker, Sapo Song, who was at number nine for anyone who, who watched the game, tall, powerful, uh, came from, he, he joined Forest Academy, I think at 12 or 13 or 14, re- relatively late for, for an academy player from grassroots Sunday league. And as kind of things have picked up over the last couple of years and he was great against Chelsea and, and the kind of the control and skill he showed in the penalty area as well as that power was really impressive. So Reese Bennett and, and Louis Jackson had a lot, a lot to deal with all night and did it really well. And there was a, a lot, there was a long period in the second half where he thought Forrest are really on top here and they're going to score again. Um, and they, they kept with it. Well, I was impressed. Radek Vitek obviously made a mistake for Forrest's goal just before half time, let it, let a kind of speculative shot spill through his fingers, but straight after half time was diving at someone's feet again. And, and that gave him a bit of confidence. So I was impressed with how he regained himself after that and composed himself. Um, who else? I love the reaction actually as well from the other players yeah, after that. Yeah, it was really good. Like it, it almost, it almost looked like he'd just been fouled when the camera panned to, um, to the players like sprinting up to him there to like pull him up off the floor like you know it looked like someone had just been fouled really bad and the players wanted to go over and like defend him it was really nice to see them you know just being so 
I guess what's the word like desperate to, to go and like console their mate and say come on like chin up we've got, yeah. we've got a game to win and, and, it's the kind of reaction you want to see more from the first team to yeah. be honest and, and that's the thing about the, the character in that squad is has really developed over the course of the season and the confidence has just really grown and the togetherness as well because not all of these players will have, most of them will have played with each other and known each other before but not all of them properly um and, and they all do now and there's different groups of mates but it's a really together squad and I think it's given how many fans were there and given all the pressure of this game to to concede a goal like that and for their reaction to be so immediate not to take a few seconds and, and stand neck and head in hands thinking oh, oh god what's happened um, are we going to lose this to, to be so quick to go over yeah it, it was good it was good to see yeah. Um and that, and that's the other thing that yeah. the whole squad has contributed to this and for example Charlie McNeil's been brilliant in the run to the final but he came off at, at 60 odd minutes Joe Hugo came on and, and held the ball up really well which was really useful for United so that's Max Deli came on and offered a bit of composure in midfield as well it was the final was kind of the perfect summary of the previous rounds because it was a whole squad performance rather than just two or three players Yeah exactly I I thought it was it was a, a, a day for sort of the, the lesser known faces, I guess, in this team, because like you said, it, it wasn't our most fluent performance. It wasn't a day for the likes of Garnacho or um, or McNeil to you know steal the headlines as they have been throughout much of this run. I thought I was really impre- impressed with uh, Mark Gerardo at fullback as well. I thought he was very good throughout the whole game. Yeah. I, you know, he was just very, very solid, got forward well. The other player that really stood out to me, I don't think he actually had his best game, but just his style. Isaac Hansen, it's, he's just so good to watch. He's yeah. so silky smooth on the ball. I, said, I, don't, I don't think he yeah. had his best game. He was a little bit wasteful when he did get the ball in good spaces, but watching him dribble is just so funny. He's just one of those players that seems to glide across the pitch. Great to watch. Yeah, there was a few moments um, in the first half where he was just outside the penalty area, just doing that just kind of conducting things, just everything going yeah. one pass out, pass back to him, one pass out, pass back to him. And it was, yeah, he's got that, that uh, skill about him. And, and yeah, that also, that kind of wonderful comfort on the ball where you just think he could do anything here and he could be put under yeah, exactly. any pressure here and he'd be fine. Um, yeah. Very, very talented player. Okay. On to another uh, section of positivity. I think uh, Eric Ten Hag wraps up his time as Ajax manager with a third title in fourth seasons. A a great record, um, a great way to go out for him. Great for Ajax as well. He's been speaking a, a little bit about United in the last couple of weeks and, and saying mainly the right things, giving some confidence that he was interviewing United um, as much as we were interviewing him, which is necessary given how things have been done over the last few years at the club. So that's that's a bit of confidence and supposedly um, some slightly conflicting reports on this. Some people suggesting he'd be on the touchline for the game against Palace, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure is, is, is complete rubbish. But um, he will be switching focus to United very quickly, as I'm sure he has already been doing in his spare time. What little of it there is while managing the biggest club in the Netherlands. Um, but yeah, I'm sure he will be switching focus to United now. He won't be taking a very long holiday and he's saying the right things. It's it's all positive, isn't it? And there, there is, a combined with the, the positivity of the Youth Cup and off the back of that, there is a bit of positivity now and a bit of hope for the future. Absolutely, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean... It's obviously, I was about to say it's early days. It's not even really days yet. It's just, we haven't even really begun the, the journey of Ten Hag as manager. But yeah. everything that we've heard up to this point, I think is everything that, that you'd want to hear, you know, that he has been 
already starting to plan. He apparently met with John Murta in Amsterdam last week as well, along with, I think, Mitchell van der Gaag and Steve McLaren were rumoured to be there, who are supposedly going to be joining his backroom staff, which in itself is also a, a good thing in that, you know, it seems like he's getting the people that he wants around him. He is sort of winning that, I guess, sort of battle with the with the club, which is a good sign as well. You know, we've, we've said before that hiring a manager especially when you need them to do a rebuild in the way that Ten Hag needs to do. It's a, it's an odd position as, as in from positions like say John Mercer or Darren Fletcher in the club, because you have to be, you have to take the leadership to appoint them, but then you have to be very, very humble and defer to them on a lot of their big decisions. And, you know, so far it looks like we are doing that. If, you know, his assistants are anything to go by, it's good that they're already planning. And I mean, at the end of the day as well, it's all well and good appointing Ten Hag, but he also has to be up for the job and want to do this. And, you know, very clearly the fact that he has said he had other options of clubs that he could have gone to. He, like you said, was sort of interviewing United at the same time as we were interviewing him and he chose to come to, to United still. And also, you know, that he seems very desperate to to start with, you know, ending his time in Ajax early. He's skipping out on their end of year party in the Caribbean to come and start at United straight away. Obviously, nothing has really happened yet, so you know it remains to be seen how it goes. But I don't think you could have asked for much more at this point for how we would want a new manager to be coming into United. Yeah, it, it reminds me of <laughs> I don't know if this is being part of the bubble, but United is so big now. It reminds me of like you know when a new president comes in, or sometimes a new prime minister, but especially new presidents in the US, or as far as the West Wing tells me, at least the first hundred days yeah, are always yeah, yeah. the the big, uh, the big kind of landmark, like what can we do in the first hundred days? And it's not the same kind of public, what can we do in the first hundred days? But those first hundred days at United are going to be very important because it involves everything you've just spoken about, mainly, first of all, recruitment, both not just in terms of players, but, but staff as well. But also the first 30 days are going to be about judging players. Who do we want to keep? Who do we want to sell? Um, and then it's, who do we want to buy? And can we get this all done by the end of June, by... Uh, halfway through July before well in time for the start of the season. I'm sure that's what Ten Hag is, is aiming for. There will be some hiccups along the way. There's no doubt about that. Buying as United is actually very difficult because the price is always higher for Manchester United. It's, it's ever since Ed Woodward said we can do things that no other club can dream of in that <laughs> stupid interview back in 2013 or 14. Um, there, there are issues going back a long time, but uh, so there will be some hiccups and there'll be players that we can't buy. There'll be players who don't want to come. Uh, there'll be players who we can't, not that we can't afford, but that it wouldn't make sense to pay that much for them. And in the end, that's just the, the reality. Um, so there will be some hiccups, but it, it looks like Ten Hag is, is ready and raring for those first 100 days and, and I'm sure has lots of ideas floating about in his head. And I hope that he looks for as much as advice as possible from as many people as possible and, and soaks it all in because that's kind of what leadership is about at that level is coming into a new club and accepting I don't know everything here let me ask someone who does and and find out and then make my own mind up after finding all of that out so yeah you're right it, it's it been good so far um, I don't think I want to comment on loads of speculation too much given we don't know what's true and what's not but yeah a good start as for Crystal Palace, whether he's in attendance or not, Ten Hag, that is, how would you approach this game? United now need to win, be sure of a place in the Europa League. 
to be sure of finishing sixth if we don't and West Ham better our result. We'll be in the Europa Conference League starting with the playoffs on I think the 18th of August. So there is quite a significant difference as much as we might laugh about being in the Europa Conference League and having some great trips away in Europe to, to new and far-flung places and getting to play the kids. There is a difference and you might prefer being in the Europa Conference League, you might prefer being in Europa League. How would you approach this one? I mean, personally, I, I think as great as the Conference League has been, especially from sort of an entertainment standpoint, I, I actually do think it's important to be in the Europa League rather than the Conference League next season. I think that difference is quite significant in terms of you know, the stature of the competition, firstly, and it's just the Europa League is a very good competition to win. Not that the Conference League isn't, but yeah. it is a, you know, it's a sizable difference. But also, you know, hopefully this won't be something we have to worry too much about. But if worse comes to worse, it's also another route into the Champions League. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. You know, and it's it's better yeah. to give yourself options at the start of the season than, than you know, to, to limit it. So I actually do think it's quite an important game. In a weird way, West Ham, as much as I would normally be happy that they have taken points off Man City it was almost sort of doubly bad yeah. because they've now given Liverpool a route into the title and also uh, and also yeah, meant yeah that we have to win this last game so as much as I would want to play the kids and I would definitely have some of the the youth team players on the bench I, I do think it's a time to to still play a strong 11 I mean I say a strong 11 on paper a strong 11 in terms of performances who knows if it's actually going to be a strong performance but I I, I would approach this game quite seriously. Yeah, I think so. And also you've got to be ending the season on a high to keep this positivity, slight positivity, I should say, relative to, to the rest of things going in, into the summer. Yeah. Um, but I would take a lot of kids on the bench. You can have huge benches these days. I wouldn't be having three goalkeepers on the bench, for example, which is, or even two, which is something we've done in the past. You've got to be giving these lads a, an experience of what it's like to travel and potentially, yeah. potentially no, even play. Um, I would start for, I, I, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't be opposed to starting like Hannibal or, or someone like that. Not necessarily Hannibal. It could be Shuratira. It could be Fernandez at left back if Shaw's still injured, which it, it seems he, he possibly will be. Could be whoever, but. I definitely wouldn't be opposed to starting a couple of young players who deserve their chance. If they deserve a chance, they deserve a chance. And there are others in this team who, who don't deserve to play at the moment. So I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I, yeah, I wouldn't be going out to, I think we asked last week in the patron Q and a, what would be the most fun team? I, I listed one with lots of young players, but most fun is different from what I think we need now. And, and yeah. yeah, I think we do need to win for the reason you stated and, and also winning the Europa League is a, a proper achievement and a, a great place to test to yeah, test yeah. yourselves the Europa Conference is, is not I mean look at how invested we all were in the final against Villarreal yeah. and that wasn't that wasn't because of the Champions League riding on that we'd already qualified for the Champions League for the next season through the league so you know that that was sort of independent as a competition the Europa League was that important to all of us that sort of just shows you know it is important to be in it and a competition that we should be going all out to win yeah. Absolutely. As for Palace, they don't have anything major to play for, but it's their last game of season of a of a positive season where Vieira's got them playing exciting football. They've massively reduced the average age of their squad from a, a very old Premier League team who were basically fighting, to, not fighting, to, not necessarily fighting to stay up every season, but their aim was to stay up every season to one now looking ahead with with lots of big ambitions and. And they will be looking to finish the season on a high with a, a brilliant win against United at home. So it, it will be it'll be tough. Um yeah. I, I don't think we can ask for score prediction because it's it's so difficult to know 
who will play really. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's also it's also just a bit depressing, isn't it, to think too yeah. much about United playing. <laughs> yeah, it has been nice to have a, a couple of weeks off. That's that's definitely true. The the other reason why I think it's it's yeah. actually quite important for us to win as well is just because I feel like we really got away with the aftermath of the Brighton result. Yeah, like just how bad that was because the Youth Cup was uh, was around the same time, and so it sort of got swept under the rug a little bit. And I think since then the the mood around the club has. Has you know? I think it's definitely improved with the stories about Ten Hag, the FA Youth Cup win. Obviously, like I think it is important to because if if we do then lose, especially if we lose it quite badly, you know, then you go into the summer. I think the Brighton result would sort of loom larger. Whereas currently, I think if we were to win, a lot of fans would sort of forget about Brighton just because of the situation that's happened around it. Yeah, I mean, I avoided the Brighton game was the first one I haven't watched. Because I, I had other things on, but then obviously I didn't watch it back because it sounded like a, a living nightmare. And I was <laughs> I was very happy with that. And then, yeah, yeah we didn't talk about it because the Eve Cup was going and hopefully it's one we can just forget. But as you say, yeah, if, if we lose badly again, then it will be uh, brought up again. So yeah, absolutely. We want to keep keep those negative memories away and, and maintain a bit of positivity. Right, we're going to go into a patron bonus Q&A. We're going to talk about N'Golo Kante, a bit more on the youth cup, a bit on Eric Ten Hag and whether he should call the squad and play the kids or whether we should kind of have a a, a mixture of that and still going for, for third or fourth. Uh, we'll be talking about who we think should be the most important core players going forward. And we'll be talking about Frankie Dion. And the rumours about him and coming to Manchester United. If you want to sign up to be a patron, you can find out how at our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. You can find Jack on Twitter for his thoughts throughout the week at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me at Harry Robinson 64 And as I say, the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod, P-O-D at the end there. Until next week, have a great one. Goodbye. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.